Have you seen this? Is the world's only film podcast. Get your can of Crisco, because we're just going to slide right into it. I saw things to do in Denver when you're dead. Oh, God, I saw that one, too. <laughs> Today, we're fucking with Ayn Rand. That's right, you old dead bitch. We're coming for you. I have always been fascinated by shitty garbage movies. In some ways, I find them more entertaining to watch than good movies. <laughs> you should do a podcast about that. <laughs> have you seen this? Is on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us at HYSTPod on Twitter. You know, there's a bad pattern here where you treat me like shit and then you say you're sorry, rinse, lather, repeat. I'm kind of sick of it. Okay. Okay. So what do you think happens after you die? I don't know. If you're good, you go to some place where you get to drink lemonade out of a giant pussy. Hey, why do you say things like that? (laughs) Jeez Louise. You asked me what happens after you die. That's if you're good. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Rosalie the Third. I'm Jack Allison, and today we're joined by a special guest. She is the host of a brand new podcast all about cults. I know the Struggle Session listeners love to hear about some cults. We are joined today by Karen Geyer. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So, Karen. <laughs> I I want you on at the last minute because I saw that you are, you know, along with me and Jack, are one of the few podcasters who've said anything about Louis C.K. It's like nobody's really talking <laughs> about him at this moment. Yeah. So I thought it was really important that we jump into the disc in uh, we start this discussion, start this conversation because nobody else is really, you know, mm-hmm. com- uh, you know, talking about it, fighting yeah. about it, yeah. um having knife fights online. I haven't seen it. anything. I haven't no, seen no. Any, any anybody talking about it in any sort of real way, so <laughs> Yeah, been real quiet on the Louis CK front. So uh-huh. I I just want to say um starting off for the record I never liked him. I never liked him. I can, t- I, and people think I'm bullshitting when I say that. It is true. It is true. It is 1000% true. I never liked him. Jack, I know that you may have thought he was funny. Look, of course I thought Louis was funny. I will say this, though. I thought the Louis stand up was funny. I liked Louis stand up specials. I never liked that show. I never liked the the Woody Allen ripoff show, and I, from the very beginning, thought it was like a little up its own ass. I did like the Lucky. I liked the one he did on HBO, yes. the Lucky Louie show. That uh, was way better. Yeah, it was, and it was also like like the the Louis the Louis show on FX. I really think like was this you know inflection point for all comedy becoming not comedy, and to be well reviewed mm-hmm. comedy, you just do a drama that's thirty minutes long, and everyone <laughs> yes. like thinks it's better for some reason. Uh, so yeah, I've been off the Louis train for a little while, um, and then you know of course I, I will say that uh, you know the stuff that came out of the New York Times, I was uh, that was like, and I'm I'm like okay, I'm checking off the Louis train. Entirely. I'm not about Louie any longer. Yeah, it's funny because, like, you know, a real adult moment, like, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm adulting or like, you know, whatever. But like a real moment for me of like knowing that I was a full adult was realizing that I can't ever enjoy Pootie Tang again (laughs) as a movie. (laughs) And it's like, oh, shit. Like, you know, (laughs) because I actually like thought that, I mean, okay. For your That's listeners, a funny movie. yeah. For your listeners, you may not know. Pudi Tang is good. I'll give I'll, I'll give <laughs> Tang good. So I smoke a lot of weed. I do as a you know whatever. I <laughs> sure <laughs> that was a great movie for me for a very long time, and now I can't enjoy it anymore, and it really sucks because there are so many amazing things about that movie, but it is forever tainted by you know Louis C.K. Also, want to say big old 
I cannot believe that Horace and Pete was getting plaudits too because that thing was a giant piece of shit. Uh, yeah, Horace and Pete <laughs> fucking sucks. Horace and Pete is this long. I hated Horace and Pete when it came out. Yeah, everyone's like Horace and Pete is beautiful. I'm like, <laughs> it's one shot of like two people sitting there for forty minutes yeah. just bullshitting. Just it's because, a podcast. Yeah. It's not a fucking show. It's a podcast. And I mean, just because somebody who is a uh, an acclaimed New York based actor does the best with the material doesn't mean that the material sure. was brilliant to begin with. And that was yeah. the thing. I was always like, Oy. like every time people were talking about it, I was like, no, <laughs> I, I think people like forget. I, I you know, I, I really do think, you know, that's the thing with Louie is like what he did is fucked up. And in, in a lot of ways, and it's certainly unforgivable if he doesn't take any sort of like, action or you know look within himself or try to change or anything like that but i do think people like you know because a lot of people are like this is he always was like a a fucked up comedian who did fucked up material and i'm like sure he did do that material like like 10 years before he had the fx show but mm-hmm. before all this stuff came out he was the like npr philosopher king <laughs> yes. guy he was the like he was the prototypical like mashable article guy who's like philosophy we were supposed to exalt as mm-hmm. because funny men you know know the real deeper truths about our lives yeah he was a male feminist people yes. I re- the only time i ever heard about his awful awful fx show was when like uh jezebel was writing about how good it was right because um he would let like women come on and yell at him for being a white man and that's like how like <laughs> people that's how he promoted little do the we show. know now we little now we know it was an r crumb thing and he liked being humiliated <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. so brave anymore now that we know he liked it so much but like the the King Kong balls on him to have like an episode that's literally about him like making Pamela Siegel Adlin like watch him masturbate, and yeah. then there's another one where he yells at Ad Bryant because he doesn't want to fuck her because she's too fat and stuff yeah, like that, and it's fucked like, up. Oh, extremely funny shit! Like, <laughs> there's the whole there's a whole like weird dream sequence with him, like where he's on a news show or something like that, and he's like arguing with a young woman about like whether or not he should jerk off or something like that. It's like truly like this guy went too far. Like he was just trying to make like pornos for himself. <laughs> if you've ever seen fucking. You know, I love you, daddy. I would love for all the Louis C.K. defenders to watch. I love you, daddy, and get back and tell me what you think about. I love you, daddy. And uh, maybe maybe he doesn't deserve to be forgiven just for I love you, daddy. Yes. Like like, that's the thing, like looking because, you know, the discourse has been going wild about him. But I was just looking at his work and the things he said. And like he deserves to be canceled. Even if he didn't like force women to watch him masturbate. Now right? that is much worse. We should say that that, that is forcing worse. women to watch him is much much worse than the rest of the stuff. <laughs> but yeah. besides that, he fucking sucked too. He does, right? Yeah. Like the first, like the first thing I discovered, um, he's a little rich boy. His parents, um, like he put on this aesthetic as like this working class guy, <sighs> right? Like, like he's Trump. a you know, if Larry the Cable guy was like woke, that was like <laughs> his position because he dresses like a slub and he talks yeah. about like he you know piece of shit and all those TV shows they all take place in like dim, dark, dingy apartments like and they're supposed to be like where Louis lives that like yeah. and where he grew up and actually like he's a child of like privilege and wealth right. and he kind of just put on this air as being His parents you know, met at harvard of course yes <laughs> you know, like this air of being like a every man who just yeah. tells it like it is it all his working class aesthetic. For some reason, people kept talking about this as if like Louis was just a normal, average working class Joe who yeah. just happened yeah. to force a few women to watch him masturbate. When that's not what what actually happened. He's a upper class predator who preyed on women right. who le- had less money and power than him. And like he has a disdain for all of us, probably, and that's why he does it. I also think that a big and another important part that's been left out of the the vaunted discourse around Louis and and there has been quite a bit. Uh, I think a lot of people like make this sort of 
bad faith interpretation of what the New York Times article said. And they're like, he asked permission before he did it. And like, it was only these few people and he apologized and all this kind of stuff. There's other shit. Like there's like, you know, yeah. there's like a, there's a Reddit comment that Dave Anthony left a long time ago where he's talking about how he like had spoken to like waitresses across the country who like all had had to deal with this, like a like talent manager who had to quit their job because they were being sexually harassed by him. And then also like those women, like Dana and Julia, you know, who he jacked off in front of at the, you know, the Aspen Comedy Festival or whatever. They're like, we didn't feel safe. And then his fucking manager tried to ruin our careers. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, probably about five, six years ago, I used to interview comics for a number of different publications. And this was already like an open secret back then. Mm-hmm. And without telling on anybody, because it's not my story, there are people that have gone on the record recanting things that at the time were told to me as true. So I think that, mm. you know, your point about DB, maybe we won't say his name, so we won't get it sued. DB definitely sure. has gone in and swooped in and, and cleaned up yeah. many a mess in his time. So yeah. and uh yeah, I mean, and look, that's a that's a that's a very big element of it, too. So yeah. it's like, you know, should Louis C.K. be forgiven? I'm like, I don't fucking know. There are there is no gatekeeper for comedy. There's nobody like deciding whether or not someone gets to perform. I do think like that's why, you know, it sort of gets decided culturally. You know what I mean? Well, like, I feel like everyone who's getting mad at people for being mad about Louis C.K. I'm like, but that's just. It, they're going to be mad at him until he does like makes, you know, restorative action or something yeah. so that people aren't mad at him again. So the barrier for all of these fuckers, like, you know, that are all in the same tier of comedy, your Jerry Seinfeld, your Ricky Gervais, your, uh, you know, Chris Rock, all of these people, all the only thing that they ever talk about, like, if it's funny, it's funny. If it's not funny, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. His comeback material is not funny. Period. Right. No. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like with Ricky Gervais, it's like, you know, who have I offended you? And you're like, no, actually, I don't give a shit. Like, so <laughs> well, I don't care well, anymore. Let's be, well, let's be fair to Ricky. He is not going around uh, telling people that they're not allowed to talk about, record, right. post about his performances anymore. Yes. Ricky never sunk to that level. And yeah. I actually think we have Jack to thank for that hilarious thing that uh, Louis C.K. <laughs> the Louis C.K. Disclaimer. Uh, uh, fine print, the disclaimer that people that he sends when people buy the ticket. I might have a little role in that uh, <laughs> in, in how he sends out a disclaimer. <laughs> it's unenforceable is the thing. It's like yeah. not an enforceable disclaimer to say like you can never talk about what you saw in this comedy club. But you know, I, I had comps to see uh, Chris Rock when he was workshopping his like comeback uh, tour and uh, the the friend of mine that that came with me, he was like, okay, so you know what that we have to turn in our phones, right? And I was like, what? And sure enough, yeah. you walked in. You have to do the whole thing where you have to like put your phone in like a neoprene bag with a lock on it, and yeah. you you know it's the like yonder go- bags they're called. <laughs> it's like going to the Schlitterbahn. You got to like walk around with your little key all day, <laughs> and uh, then you can unlock your phone at the end. And yeah, so like it was a whole deal, and like. Yeah. What was really funny about that is there was like a totally um, like live tweetable moment in that, which was that there was somebody on the floors, a, a white person who in the middle of it started screaming, all lives matter. They had to be dragged out. It was a whole deal. I wish I had my camera. Good God. Yeah. Good God. Well, I mean, I was going to say on your on your point about how what Jerry and all these guys say about like, if it's funny and people are showing up, then like it should be okay or whatever. I'm like, Louis is not funny. Right. And people are showing up because he's a fucking train wreck. They're showing up because it's like an act of defiance. And it's like a way to show that you like hate women and have dominion over them. <laughs> yeah. Or so like it's like it's like a, a political statement. It has actually zero to do with him being yeah. funny or not being funny. At Those this people point. would have shown up for the Tiger Blood tour. Remember like the. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> right, the Charlie Sheen. Oh, yeah, yeah, already got your money, dude. That that tour, like that. That's those people. They're they're Loki lose. They're not like. There's probably some people who you would consider to be comedy fans, but you know, I think it's interesting though. Like he he has tried so many things to get his reputation back on track. He 
I would say not only hasn't done anything to do restorative justice or whatever you right. want to call it, but he's actively tried to be like, so we're okay now, right? You know, I, I did I did agree with the general idea that Louis doing Skankfest is you know, a pretty big slap in the face to Louie just in the first place. Like, and also they posted out that they're like, Louie got like a standing ovation and there were not chairs there. Like, it was right, a standing yeah. room only like venue. But, um, and, and, and what does that even mean? Like if they brought out like Dracula, right? Like people would be excited and clap. That doesn't yeah. right. mean. It's a live show. You bring out anybody and they'll clap in whatever position they're in. We call that a and Toronto handshake here because Toronto audiences will give anybody a standing oh it's kind of like yeah like it's too polite too polite and i just wanted you know a couple things because i feel like people are very confused about the type of person louis was before he got exposed for being a complete fraud and and pervert and sexual harasser um his conan appearance um when he talked about you know trump versus hillary clinton and this this is a a quote from louis for i just for all the people who think like he's a just this brilliant comedic mind who does so much cool edgy stuff and pushing pushing the barriers quote from louis it's not about the first woman president it's about the first mom. We've had nothing but dads <laughs> in the White House. Now we need mothers. We need mm. a tough bitch mother that nobody likes who does Louis, this shit. You gotta stop it. That's that's the he was Louis. a get shit done liberal. He was yeah. like a time to roll things up and get shit done kind of liberal. Like he was. That's the thing. Like I, you know, why do we have? That's my thing. Is like, do we have to like? When it comes to forgiving Louis, he hasn't done anything to try to make it right. Yeah. And then also, we don't need fucking Louis anymore. Yeah. Like, we, there's not only 15 comedians. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this, we can bring up new people. Yeah. Like, he had a nice run. It ended in, in shame. And now let's fucking have the other people. He be can the go back comedians. to his yacht. He can go back. Yeah, he's all on his good. Uh-huh. He's fine. Yeah. Like, like the, and I, I just read the SNL when he was on SNL and he did the This Is How I Talk bit, which is literally, Loquisha, but less funny. <laughs> he is less talented. It has less of a take than Loquisha. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just don't understand, like, what people think are missing out. And even if you think you're missing out, like, don't you want him to at least put forth some effort and not just, you know, dive into being like an MRA dipshit when uh, six months ago he was a fucking, you know, super woke male feminist who, uh-huh. who said we need a mom right. in the White House. Like, it's obvious that he's kind of a fucking fraud. Like, right. That's <laughs> part of what makes it interesting. It's like people always talk about like, well, is the Aziz thing, you know, bad enough for him to be pushed out or whatever? And I'm like, I don't like what I whether you where not you wherever you stand on the babe.net article or whatever, uh, you, he certainly can't be the like modern dating comedian anymore yeah, he, which he, is what his whole fucking exactly. thing was he can't get up on stage like i remember when i saw him at, at here in toronto i i saw him and he did this whole thing which he also did in his uh madison uh square garden uh one where it was about like oh clap if you've ever had a man follow you and right yeah stuff. yeah and, like you can't do that one anymore dude like that whole 20 minutes yeah done. that's like the thing with louis too is that i'm like you know, uh, whether or not, whether whatever, whatever you stand on, whether people should be able to come back, it's like, well, if it undercuts their whole fucking fake kayfabe persona, exactly. then exactly. maybe we should like be done with them. Yeah. You know, they're revealed as frauds. Is the most is is uh, is is what has happened? It's like finding out that Larry the Cable Guy has a Netflix subscription. Like he's not, <laughs> you know, living the truth of the bit. Yeah, he's, he's not breaking kayfabe. He's not. Yeah. Although that is a classic bit of David Cross's where he talks about. Uh, like the the dichotomy there of Larry the Cable Guy, I kind of love that routine. Well, Larry the Cable Guy is a real like he's uh, yeah. what's his real name? His name is Dan Whitney. Yeah. I think is Larry mm-hmm. the Cable Guy's real name. And so he- I mean, I guess it's we've just been revealed like. Like, that's what it is, is Louis was just a Larry the Cable guy. And if you're okay <laughs> with that, you can continue to be a fan. He was a Larry the Cable guy for, like, liberal thought that you you agree with. <laughs> like, and, and, like, what an amazing, like, set of, like, pranks he did, you know, getting people to, like, stand up and applaud for a television show where, like, you know, he flies in a helicopter and meets ducks. Like that was in one of his episodes. And the reason that was in one of his episodes was because his daughter came up with the idea. 
Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that. That's what we call indulgent. Yeah. That's what we call Such indulgent. A family guy, and it just reminds me of that bit in Kill Bill where Bill explains like Superman and how his act as Clark Kent is just him showing his disdain for the human yeah. race, and that is what Larry the Cable Guy does, and that's also what Louis C.K. did. Yeah. So if you're okay with Louis C.K. being disdainful of you, then go ahead and continue to fucking follow his work, I guess. He hates your fucking guts. All he cares about is his fucking yacht and jerking off. Come on. All right. So I think we've settled that. I'm sure nobody will have any response to that. Yeah. No, no. I hope not, to be honest with you. I don't want I, I I don't want anything to do with the podcast wars. I just want to talk <laughs> well, about Louis is all. You know, I will say this because, like, you know, I think that Kath was sort of getting a lot of horse shit from people and she was 100 yeah. percent right that it was a hostile work environment situation you can take everything else out of it you can take all the emotion out of it but it's true if somebody worked at um you know your your cable company in the office and they were doing that they would no longer have a job right yeah. so you're well, absolutely well, right well, about that. Uh, I agree with that. On on that, I I do want to just leave us off on one take. Uh, something from Louis, um, from Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson, oh, SNL wow. guy. Um, he mentioned, you know, how Louis approaches the workplace, and um, he said that Louis told all the producers in front of me that all this kid does is smoke weed and he's going to smoke his career away. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, he told, uh, Louis told Lauren, Lauren Michaels now that Davidson smokes so much weed that it makes people uncomfortable in the Dude, office. this guy is actually also a narc. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sad This guy is hear. also a narc. I'm really sad to hear that the SNL workplace now has drug abuse in it. That's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> you got to watch out for that stuff over yeah. there. You really do. <laughs> All what's right. going on, so, on under de Blasio? Come on. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on to um, another, you know, controversial topic, which I didn't know was controversial, actually. Um, <laughs> um, Wayfair. Wayfair. They sell yeah. a bunch of cheap furniture, wayfair.com. We're not advertising for them. All their workers were getting together. Go wayfair.com and obviously use the promo code <laughs> struggle session yeah. when you sign up. <laughs> so this was really cool news. Like it was um, apparently they got a contract to make beds for the child detention centers. Uh-huh. And right. their workers said, fuck that. Stage to walk out today. Yeah. Really like cool stuff. Workers yeah. getting together. This was a feel good story. I mean, except for the part about the child prisons, but yeah. it was one of, it was a feel good story for the day. Like workers, even in this new economy, working for a fucking website, still uh-huh. were able to band together and organize and, you know, try and affect some change, you know, and say, no, we're not going to be a part of the system. Uh-huh. We're not just going to be quiet. We're not right. just going to do our job. We're going to use the level the power that we have to try yep. and change yep. this hor- horrific thing so first of all i like my i wanted to like tear up when i read about it because you know everybody always talks about how like oh america isn't ready for socialism da da da, and like you would never see people doing this and that and every time you see video footage of like french like garbage you know truck drivers like throwing the dirt on the road and whatever like that would never happen in america America has a strong history of labor uprising, but people just don't know it because they don't know history and they don't remember it. And also because, you know, a lot of times it was black people doing it or, you know, uh, you know, Latinos or, you know, women or whatever. So that, that gets sort of erased from history because white men didn't do it. But, um, you know, uh, this is what I'll say about it. Wayfair workers obviously have like 10 times the balls that Amazon workers do, that Microsoft workers do. Microsoft workers yeah. know that they're that they're working on products that directly help ICE. So does Amazon. They're not doing fuck all. They're writing letters. Mm-hmm. You know what? Write a letter to my dick. I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so... Well- you know, they're actually doing it. And like you said, in a precarious labor environment, they're doing it. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot more people who are just going to say like, fuck you. Right. That's what stops it from happening is every individual person being like, I won't have anything. I cannot be a part of together in the group. group Yeah. Together together. as a group. Yeah. Um, But I, 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 
all that being said, um, there were was uh, someone who, you know, took issue with this and kind of, <laughs> you know, comp- problematized it for me. I, I, I hadn't really thought of it this way. Well, it's a progressive publication. A progressive so, publication. Know, think about it. Yeah. Um, Mother Jones <laughs> and their chief political <laughs> blogger, Kevin yeah. Drum, came out with an article today, bl- just a blistering takedown of the Wayfair it's, walkout. It's like two paragraphs long. Yeah. Just a blistering <laughs> takedown. He's definitely making six figures for posting this. For posting this, like this is all he does. He doesn't like do more than this. He's not doing long form. He just does this, and we can read it um, in full here. I think Um, (laughs) it's. It reads uh, like a voicemail from a racist dad. It's like (laughs) (laughs) uh, Jack. If you would do the honors. Here it is in full. Uh, uh, you know, get comfortable. Get comfortable because this is a fam- it's going to be one of a, a big read. Um, here we go. Um, somebody help me out. Okay, I don't understand the Wayfair walkout. Somebody help me out here. This is a genuine question, not snark. Wayfair, the online fur- furniture giant, has apparently been selling beds to the government for use in immigrant immigrant detention centers. Its employees are unhappy about this, and they want Wayfair to, Wayfair to stop sales to ICE or CBP or any other agency involved with keeping kids in cages. Wayfair's management has not agreed to this, so today its employees staged a walkout. But isn't our whole complaint that these kids are being treated badly? Shouldn't we want companies to sell the government toothpaste and soap and, and beds and so forth? Forth. What am I missing here? <laughs> Kevin, I, 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 you know, if you listen to the show, Wait, well, Kevin, that, that was the end. That was the end. We need yeah. that's it. You got to put like that's the whole article. <laughs> that's the, I look at his next option. one. He's got all these graphics and shit like that. Yeah. It really does. You're absolutely right. It reads like a transcript of like someone's like 70 year old father like calling them yeah. on voicemail. Yeah. Being like, you have to explain uh, but, this to me. Somebody asked me about it at work and I don't know. Yeah. But Jack, you were going to explain it for him, right? I was gonna, I was gonna explain it for him is that I think what the people at Wayfair are mad about is not necessarily that the kids are being treated badly, although it's an element of it, but the fact that they're being held in child prisons, I think is the yeah. uh, main issue for them is that the immigrant detention centers exist. Yes. Uh, not necessarily, yeah. And so they don't want to be a part of like helping build the infrastructure, uh, uh, for child prisons to exist, uh, in, in concentration camps in this, uh, uh country. Yeah, um, I don't. Uh, I, I I'm just flabbergasted that, like, they just like he has no editor. Like, he can just put anything <laughs> out there, right? Like, if yeah. he doesn't want to make like more than one tweet in a row, he posts it as like a blog post, and he gets <laughs> fucking paid for it. It's just yeah, he gets paid. Uh, for amazing it. to me. Like, he doesn't didn't do any research, didn't reach out to any you know <laughs> activists who could help explain it because maybe. Maybe there is some. Maybe talk to one of the employees. Yeah, yeah. maybe uh, read their letter or something like that. Um, just look it up. Google, read Twitter, like uh-huh. do the stuff that like I would do before I would have like a hot take on. Before Twitter. I would even post one yeah. p- single post. <laughs> like, geez, like just the laziness of it, and that it, is our progressive outlook. Yeah, it should have stayed on like Notes app on like Twitter. <laughs> just been like, I don't get this. Somebody yeah. explain it to me. Signing off. Yeah. It's yeah. I it is very funny also to do this piece where he's just like, What is this? Yeah. And then he just leaves it just with no up. comments. Yeah. Not doesn't respond to anything on Twitter. He's like, Can someone explain this to me anyway? See you later. Yeah. Like closes the laptop. <laughs> but it's so you know, and I mean if I had to describe this guy physically, if people aren't aware of who he is. He looks like uh, like a an IPA connoisseur dad, uh, <laughs> exactly as white as you're thinking, and facial yeah. hair, and you know glasses, I believe, and just like this is a person who is so insulated from any kind of consequences in their own life that they legitimately like don't understand anything because it's outside yeah. of their experience. Yeah, I guarantee, like, you know, he has, like, he's just confused by, like, why people care. 
Like, I think that's the mm-hmm. main thing right. that he doesn't get. Like, what's the big deal? Yes, we have child detention centers, but, you know, we have illegal immigration, too. We have to do right. something about it. Where else are we going to put the kids? On, out on the street? On the road? Right. No, it's much better that they be locked in a cage right. with a Wayfair-made bed, a uh, promo code struggle session, um, <laughs> than it is for them to be sleeping on the floor. Right. And that's, like, as far as he takes it because he doesn't, like, have any other connection to the world. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't have any, like, uh, you know, principles or anything like that. So, but this uh, is the uh, thing. Yeah. Like, you're see, I mean, I know that, like, there's a whole layer of people who they get paid based on, like, being contrarian or whatever. But this is one of those times when I don't think that anyone has benefited from the, the contrarian position because it's so indefensible and it is so, and, like, you know, when you're seeing people just hang their ass all the way out when they're trying to say, like, oh, this is different from the Holocaust and this is different from that. And you're like, something doesn't have to be the same as the Holocaust. It doesn't have to be literally right. Auschwitz for it to be egregious. Is not Auschwitz yet. I think that's exactly. the thing. That the, you know, it, people are reacting like the term the term that uh, everyone's using is Auschwitz. Auschwitz, like they're saying, like yeah. uh, these things are an Auschwitz or whatever. Yeah. When really it is just concentration camp, which these are. They are they are concentration camps trending towards becoming an Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, I mean, and and Americans need to. So uh, my. A huge beef that I have just with North America in general is the the really small capsule amount of history that the average person is walking around knowing, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that Germany is perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but when you're a kid, you have to go to a concentration camp. Like that's a part of your mm. education and you have to study a lot of stuff about the war and you have to understand all of these things. And let's face it, you can literally walk around and see vestiges of the war in your own life right. on a daily basis. You know, other places, you know, Amsterdam, they have little engravings on the uh, sidewalk that tell you like the names of people that were um, that were taken from that place. So it wow. really, yeah. So it really gives you a sense of like, no, this happened here, and. So that yeah. constant, persistent reminder really knocks it home for people. I mean, obviously, there are still fascists there. Obviously, there are still people who are fucked up. Mm-hmm. But having that everyday reminder means that you don't have a lot of this, like, mealy middle where people are like, well, because I don't know enough about this and it makes me feel bad, I'm just going to think that it's not this bad or it's not that thing. And <laughs> right. that's really dangerous, you know. Um, you know, when you're talking about fascism, when you're talking about propaganda, when you're talking about all of these things, um, you know, I did a, I did um, studies in university on the history of modern propaganda. And, you know, one of the things is something that we are definitely living in now, which is, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Hypernormalization um, yeah. or... You know, it's this erosion of what is actually happening, of what is actually real, of what is like something where you can put out your hand and grab onto something and know that it's actually a thing. And that's where we are now is that you can be a QAnon person and you can have no vestige of reality in your life. Literally, like going to the grocery store is probably as close to a real life as you're going to get in your day to day life as a QAnoner and everything else can be stage managed. So we're living yeah. <laughs> we're living in this a situation where people don't have historical education and they can craft yeah. their own reality and that is so in- incredibly dangerous because <laughs> that is so ripe for your people like your Donald Trumps of the world, your Steve Bannons of the world, you know, uh your Yair Bolsonaro of the world. <laughs> I fucked that up bad, but I don't care. Um, you know, <laughs> those those people that come yeah. in and say oh, here's my three things that I want to tell you about today. And people go, oh, that sounds cool. Oh, that like fits my worldview. And then right. they just, that's it. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, Kevin Drum is sort of this, you know, uh, uh, liberal believer in, you know, the general predilection of everything to trend toward the good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that for him, it's like, you know, we just wish that we had good guards in front of these children and like really yeah. nice detention centers where they got to go to school while they were being held as political prisoners because uh, they had to try to escape uh, uh you know, chaos uh, uh, back in their homes. But, you know, there's a whole layer of our entertainment that reflects that reality. You have movies that are about, like, you know, the benevolent slave keepers and, you know, these, like, yeah. this shit did not happen. Or, like, you know, right. things where they're like, oh, well, in you know, this woman inherited her slaves, so she was a woman. She was probably nicer. And you're like, fuck, no, she wasn't, because she knew she couldn't, <laughs> she couldn't physically well, Hamilton was power against men. Slavery. Yeah. He, only, he yeah. only managed his, uh, st- his, his stepfather's slave. Hey, did yeah. you, uh, he didn't own any. Yeah, did y'all see that video of the guy, uh, the playwright who made like an anti-Hamilton? Yeah. That yeah. is so funny. Um, it's so good. His play looks really good, too. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's I like, mean, yeah, that's a great uh, piece. You know, as much as we can shit on the right wing and say like, Oh, well, you know, they have such good messaging and they're all in lockstep and this and that there is that, there is that centrist leftist, you know, you know, people who are still saying Hillary is the president (laughs) in 2019 (laughs) shit like that, those people, you know, and then they're, you know, they're always the embarrassment at the dinner party because they're the one that like goes in pinatas or like tries to like use AAVE when they're talking to a black person. And, (laughs) And that, you know, those people legitimately think, well, I have, I know I'm a good person. And then like, right. And so my worldview must be good and my worldview and my uh you know the things that i applaud and and uh support you know must be good by definition and it's by default it's that's gonna get more people killed you know yeah i also (laughs) do think that there's you know you were talking about even the the people that are like hillary is the real president and shit like that i'm like there is a real predilection towards like conspiracy mongering on both the oh, you know, yeah. the on conservative yeah. and liberal side, there really, yeah. really is. Uh, I don't know what it is about the modern age. I guess maybe it has something to do with the internet and also the fact that we are lied to all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like we are, you know, very predisposed towards like bizarre conspiracy mongering and like, like you said, sort of like creating and tailoring our own realities that we get to live in and yeah. then make t- political decisions from. I mean. When you go on Twitter and you can, like, you'll see, like, the odd time, like, in your mentions or whatever, there's, like, trad calf people or whatever. You're, like, that person and I have, like, zero in common. (laughs) No, because, like, I don't see anything the same way that a person like that sees the world, you know? Right. I... (laughs) um, You know, I, I have, obviously, vehement opposition to everything that, you know, the Pope stands for and the Holy See stands for. And, you know, I think that you know <laughs> the organization yeah. known as the catholic uh church uh you know they are basically a uh large-scale you know mafia of, of pedophiles yeah so you know they they did fair. lose a little they <laughs> did lose a little bit of their moral authority through you know the you know hundreds and hundreds of pedophilia cases yes. you know that really did sort of undercut the idea the whole notion of uh what's going on over there have you ever seen that show on netflix called the keepers that one will like make you like shit cold oh it's bad i haven't seen i think i've heard that that one's fucked up yeah and so karen we're getting into your area of expertise you have (laughs) a new podcast called on belief yeah all about religious cults we love talking about cults on here yeah and i just wanted to get you on give us some updates on a few yeah. of our favorite cults okay um, um nexium heard it's not heard the leadership not doing so well lately yeah so yeah so keith ranieri was convicted on all of the counts that he was brought up on and actually something that was particularly remarkable about the trial was that um you know he that he was actually brought up on so many accounts because generally when this kind of stuff happens, there's very few things they can nail these people on. So the fact that they actually had him on some of these like trafficking and like sexual exploitation type charges um, was really uh, unusual. And the fact that they got convictions on every single one was really something spectacular. 
And uh, I just interviewed E.J. Dixon, who you guys may know. Um, she was covering the trial for Rolling Stone. She's, oh, right, yeah. She's going to do an Nexium update for us on my podcast very soon. Oh, that's great. And, yeah, I, t- I spoke to her the day after the trial went down, so it was kind of cool. And she, she said, you know, uh, she didn't say that there were days when, you know, the jury was swayed or that they were on his side or whatever, but she was like, I have to say, like, the defense mounted a very strong, you know, remarkably strong defense of him for the best they could do. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of evidence against him, but she was like, they did an amazing job. So he, he came perilously close maybe to not, not getting convicted on all of his charges. You know, he did have some of the best lawyers money can buy because he's being bankrolled by the Bromptonans. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that was remarkable. And, and, but the other thing that I think maybe his defense weren't banking on was, was that Nancy Saltzman would flip and that Allison Mack would flip. And, uh, mm-hmm. I spoke to somebody off the record about, uh, about that process because this person was actually asked by the FBI to go speak to Allison Mack, speak to Nancy Saltzman, speak, speak to some other people who were deposed uh, and who actually participated in the trial as witnesses. And, um, you know, this person basically came in to exit counsel. They don't call it deprogramming anymore. They call it exit counseling, exit counsel, these hmm. women, because, you know, whenever you're in a situation like that, I don't know if you ha- guys have ever watched the footage of the days of the Manson trial, but there. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> the girls would all show up locking arms dancing singing that's what people think about when they think of cults and it's you don't have to be that level to still be in it and still be influenced by it and still think keith is such a powerful person he may kill me he may do something to me he may hurt my parents he may you know take somebody away from me that is really important or whatever so these women were reluctant at the start and allison i mean famously when she was arrested was totally on his side was like, we're going to beat this, you know? So she was in it and then she flipped. So that was a really remarkable turning point for this whole thing. That's really surprising because I remember we talked about before is like people, the point that people were saying was like, no, Allison isn't just in this. She is this. She did it. She is like, oh yeah, she's definitely complicit in this. Like, I don't want it to sound like she was a pure victim in all of this, but you have to, you have to couch some of the things that happened in how much she was involved in this and how much, you know, uh, thought reform you know, she went through, but yeah, she, I mean, you just like the Manson family, like, I don't think anyone's sitting there going like, Oh, you stabbed somebody. Well, let's let you out of prison and get you a job at a school. Like, (laughs) I I think everybody understands that there needs to be a solution for these people, but it's not the solution. I mean, I don't believe in the current carceral state anyway. So the solution to me is not, let's just like lock these people away. I mean, in the Manson example, I mean, one of the Manson, women was denied parole two weeks ago and <laughs> i don't think she's gonna reoffend guys like she's like 71 <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah. yeah and you know man maybe that she might probably won't run into charlie again, charlie maybe. is dead yes we know this for a fact <laughs> so yeah if you believe that yeah I'm just <laughs> i mean i'm sure that that is a conspiracy theory i'm sure it would take you I'm about sure two seconds I, I just took i just took a wild swing and i was yeah. like i bet that would be one <laughs> I'm, i mean did you guys ever see dark tourist there's an episode about like the people who worship uh charlie manson it's uh, it's quite I've interesting never seen it. yeah yeah dark tourist is on netflix it's david ferrier the guy who wrote tickled oh right yeah. sure yeah, yeah yeah tickled is great yeah that's like an that's to me like a top like probably top twenty of all time documentary because it's just so shocking. Yeah, it, it, the number of turns yes. it takes is truly <laughs> really wild. Yeah, yeah. So um, we do have the Tarantino movie uh, coming out very soon. Uh, yet another mm-hmm. Charles Manson project. It's I think the fourth one in the past like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, even Brett Ace Nellis had a TV show that he was developing that they canceled because there was already another TV show mm-hmm. about Charles <laughs> That was Manson. the Aquarius, right? Like, yeah, there was Aquarius. That, yeah. 
it was actually pretty good. I watched it. It's actually a really good show. <laughs> I um, think people but, are just happy to see Mulder back in his like little uniform. Yeah, and, and he had bulked up too, and yeah. he was like badass. <laughs> it was really strange. Um, but yeah, so updates on the Madsen family. How are what's going on with that? Apparently, yeah, how's yeah. all squeaky from? <laughs> oh, I actually don't have like super duper updates on the Manson family, but the the one that I was just mentioning that one of them was it wasn't squeaky from. Leslie Van Houten, yeah. So Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> I was like I think it's Leslie Van Houten, but I don't want to say it's the wrong one. Um, yeah, so actually funny story i believe that van houten like surname is actually like where like millhouse van houten <laughs> comes from <laughs> but anyway um yeah so she was denied parole uh she's she's what i mean most of the women are in jail for life if they have not died i mean that <sighs> You know, People Magazine has a has a show about cults, and they just did the Manson family. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know how much more we can get out of this story because the story basically ended, you know, in this in the late sixties, early seventies, when everybody finally like went to jail. And it's like, you know, it, the rest of it is so salacious and so like tittle tattle, and you know, I don't know, it's it's a terrible fucking thing that happened. And, you know, I don't want to diminish that at all, but I just, it's one of those ones where I think it's so focused on like the sensationalism and not focused on the fact that like he took these women who were all sort of like middle-class sheltered women who had had like, you know, dust ups with their parents or whatever. And he took them in, you know, he raped them, he beat them, he threatened to kill them. Like, that should be right. the headline, not, oh, he made these people murder, you know, Sharon Tate and whatever, which, like, that's right. fucking terrible. Was, like, she was... Through his charisma through his charisma alone, he was able to make them murder. Right. Like, so, is so often the, uh, the like, idea with uh, uh, Manson, and that's probably not the case. You're right. He just was, uh, uh, like, a kidnapper. If you want to... Yeah. If you want to talk about, like, the most, like, horrifying detail of the entire Manson saga, the, the most horrifying detail is that he was so fucked up, he freaked out the Beach Boys. Okay? You know... <laughs> yeah, I know. He <laughs> stayed at Mike... Was it Mike Love's house that yeah. he stayed at? Uh, uh, which Beach Boy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. and he stayed there and just kind of camped out there, and they hated his fucking guts and creeped him out. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, like so. When I usually, when people are talking about the Manson murders, what besides you know Charles Manson was just such this amazingly charismatic fig- figure when he was actually like just a little short murderer rapist guy uh-huh. um, who yeah. smelled bad. Um, they also kind of use it to say that you know this was the end of you know the innocence of the hippies they try to tell a generational story but i i I suspect karen that you know since you look at yeah all the time like it's not just like one generational thing like it's something that keeps happening and happening across you know generations and cultures even well actually it's interesting that you say that because he really he really wasn't a hippie he sort of like co-opted the hippie language and stuff but he still was like i mean hippies aren't aren't standing out on the street corner saying like the n-words are going to rise up and we have to kill them before they kill us that wasn't really a real like hate ashbury kind of thing so um (laughs) (laughs) you know if there's an analog here to something that happened in australia one of the episodes of my show deals with it it's a there's a cult called the family and it was started by a woman named ann hamilton byrne and she co-opted all the hippie dippy language she had a yoga studio and she managed to lure in all these very rich very important people in melbourne and um you know she took their money she uh participated in these fraudulent adoptions and she ended up amassing like tons of children that she dressed all the same did their hair all the same and they (laughs) they were taught all of these like weird like transcendental meditation and like uh ancient uh you know knowledge kind of stuff and and were made to meditate all day long and things like that and then when they reached 14 she would give them incredibly high doses of lsd sit them in a darkened room and tell them that she was jesus 
And so <laughs> it was a complete co-option of all of this stuff, but she legitimately was look in it, you know, so she could amass these children, amass all this kind of real estate. She went on the run. It took a really long time to extradite her because she had homes all over, you know, North America. She had homes in England. She, you know, she had a home in, uh, in Hawaii. Uh, and so she, (laughs) that was what it was about for her. It was about her plastic surgery, her lifestyle, being able to say, Oh, I know this famous person. I know that famous person. I went to, you know, the club. Like that was like a thing for her. Like, um, was being seen at these, you know, famous places with famous people. It wasn't about hippies. It was about stealing people's right. money. <laughs> so it was about ripping people off. Yeah. It was like this was a scam artist who wanted to rip people off. Yeah. And I think that there that probably played right. in a little bit to the Charlie Manson thing was that he was like the the dirtbag boyfriend of these like fairly well to do uh you know women and uh I think that you know he was trying to leverage and leverage and leverage until he got his record deal or until he got this or until he got that it ended up not working out for him but you know because he had right. that he had that you know ticking time bomb thing which is so you know it comes up in heaven's gate as well which is you know he had this idea of the race war and it was coming and he kept practicing, he kept promising people it was going to happen and it didn't end up happening. And then that was when all of the shit went down with the Tate LaBianca murders is that he was right. like, well, we- he was trying to like push it to make it happen right. and shit. Right. So right. I think people forget some of the pertinent details of that, but you know, right. it, it's that he was basically a white nationalist trying to make yeah. a race war start. Charlie <laughs> like, Manson because, wasn't a hippie. He was raised in prison, and yeah, no. he was not a hippie. He like kind of had hair that was long, like yeah. how a hippie's hair Char- is yeah. long. Charlie it's Manson pretty much what it is. Probably <laughs> Charlie Manson probably had more in common with Cesar Sayoc, the guy with who uh, mailed all True. those bombs, yeah. than he did with anybody else. You know. Yeah. So it was really funny because when they announced that Tarantino was going to do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and it was going to be about Charles Manson, somebody uh, made a tweet that saying, well, he won't, well, at least in this film, you know, he won't have the N word in a bunch of times. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm no. Like, well, you don't know anything about yeah. it then. No, no, yeah. no, no. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> your, your knowledge about this is. You are, you are in for it. <laughs> your knowledge about these murders is limited to the t shirt that says, Charlie, don't <laughs> surf that's what we know about that like, yeah all right well karen thank you so much for joining us where oh, can people you. hear your wonderful podcast okay so the podcast uh you can uh listen to it basically anywhere that you get podcasts uh for the preview episodes the full episodes are on patreon.com uh, forward slash k-a-r-e-n-g-e-i-e-r um you can also uh, go to the website onbelief.com and see uh, previews. You can see the production notes, the guest spotlights, a little bit more information about the the various episodes. I try to include supplemental information with every episode because uh, there are always so many questions that come up after people listen. Because, I mean, you can listen for an hour and still be like, okay, but why did this happen? And why did that happen? And who did this? And so, uh, you know, so... So uh, on belief.com, you can get all the information there. You can get more information on patreon.com forward slash K-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. I just want to yeah. say it's amazing you got the dot com. We couldn't get the dot com. <laughs> wow. There's already a band. There is a, there's a really good band named Struggle Session. They have the dot com. Uh, but nice. props to you for getting the dot com. Uh, I got yeah. lucky because I, I'm actually in pre-production on two other series and I had to get the the pod suffix for that those ones so not just oh, the, wow. not just the name but the name plus pod and i was like ah fuck <laughs> <laughs> well all right everyone have a good one peace okay. later okay, bye
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.